0: So when you think of the book of Ezekiel, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For most of us, it's the dry bones. And it's easy to connect that to Israel because that's the original people that it was delivered to. But does it have any meaning for us? Does the book of Ezekiel have any meaning for us? Well, the answer to that is a giant yes. And we're fortunate today to have author and speaker and Bible study creator, Erica Wiggenhorn, on the line. And she's going to tell us how this book matters to us today in a very, very positive and personal way and what it can mean to us. So without further ado, we're going to, for the third time on our show, fortunate to have her, Erica Wiggenhorn. Thank you for being on In Awe by Bruce.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be back, Bruce.
0: Oh, It's it's great to have you. And um, I'm just going to dive right into it because uh, this is an exciting book for me. It's one of my favorite. Tell me, what made you jump from doing some things that you were doing in the New Testament going back to this Old Testament book? What what all of a sudden hit you that said, here's a book that I think needs to be done?
1: First of all, Bruce, I kind of have to chuckle because I'm pretty sure you're the first person I've met who says... I love the book of Ezekiel.
0: <laughs> Most <laughs>
1: people are like, Ezekiel? I can't <laughs> even understand that book. What in the world is happening on those pages?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's
1: the general reaction I get. And to be honest, uh, being the big Bible nerd that I am, that was what really drew me to the book initially is when I'm reading these pages, I'm thinking, what in heaven's name is happening here? And what is God trying to tell us? In these crazy visions and word pictures, you know, that Ezekiel is acting out. It's like the craziest game of charades you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really what drew me to the book initially. Yeah. And as I got into it, what I began to see was this theme of revival and over and over how God is saying, come alive, come alive, turn to me and live, turn to me and live. And I was so intrigued by that. And so I just kept diving in deeper and deeper. And I also noticed this this pattern that we're just hearing a whole lot about revival i feel like i'm hearing people talk about revival more in the last couple of years than i've ever really heard people talk about it in my lifetime and so i was really curious you know when people are saying we need a revival we need revival i'm praying for a revival what 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 do they mean by that and so i asked my online devotional community that I email out every week and I said hey guys you know when you think about revival or you think about revival in your own personal life what is that what would that look like for you Mm. and there were two main themes that emerged uh, Uh in that discussion and the first main theme that emerged was and I sent this out to about 10,000 people so a good number of people and several hundred answered me back and they said the main thing for me revival would look like learning how to pray regularly and pray powerfully um, i mm. want to learn how to be a mighty prayer warrior that would be what revival would look like for me is just learning how to have, be in constant communication with god mm. and i'm like okay i get that uh, that's a hard one for me too yeah second thing that people said over and over was I want to be more sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't really know how to engage with that member of the triune God the way I do with God the Father or with Jesus. And I got that too, because growing up in the denomination that I did, we didn't really ever talk about the Holy Spirit. And if we did, we called him the Holy Ghost. And so, (laughs) you know, I didn't learn a whole lot about the Holy Spirit in my church experience. And so one of the things that I did in an unexpected revival, besides just going through Ezekiel's prophecies, is I spent an entire week of the study diving into and connecting with the Holy Spirit and all that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, what he said he was being sent for, what he promised he would do, how we interact with him as New Testament believers today, what his role is in kingdom purposes and in our lives individually and collectively. So we end up spending a whole week just connecting with the Holy Spirit, which is really a big, big part of revival. And then obviously that goes back to the first thing, prayer. That's how we connect with the Holy Spirit is Mm. through prayer.
0: That's great. Those are two great themes because very powerful for all of us. You know, I, I same thing, the discipline of prayer sometimes escapes me. And it's one of those things God keeps bringing me back to. As you were saying, you you read Ezekiel and you see him acting out all these things God has him doing, and it does look a little strange, but it definitely has a point. So now bring us into that getting you started and the two things that, that are kind of the themes, How do you tie those into the books and what ezekiel is saying and doing because there's obviously a lot of experience with him with praying he's down by the river crying while he's praying and then god shows us some amazing visions with the temple and and everything else how do you tie all this in to help us be revived
1: there's a phrase that god repeats uh, some variation thereof he says it 50 times throughout ezekiel's prophecies and essentially what it is is then you will know that I am the Lord and he Mm -hmm. repeats that over and over and over to his people and if we read it like God saying, well, you know, then I'm gonna show you who's in charge here. I'm gonna show you who God is. You know, if we read it in that tone, we miss God's heartbeat entirely. Mm-hmm. Because when God is saying, then you will know that I am the Lord, the two Hebrew words that he's using there, that know is the word yada, And it's a word of total intimacy and oneness. It's the same word when we talk about a husband first knowing his wife on their mm-hmm. wedding night nothing hidden between them, complete and total togetherness. So God is saying, then you will know me like that and then the lord that he uses that's the word yahweh and the essence of what god's name yahweh means is i am the god who creates and enters relationship and so what god is saying over 50 times through all of these crazy prophecies and word pictures is then you will know fully and experientially what it is to be in relationship with me. And so revival, really, when you just take it down to its simplest form, revival is an invitation to intimacy with God, to be so one with him that there's nothing in between the two of you holding you back from fully Walking in His joy, in His peace, in His power, uh, the way that we are promised through the Holy Spirit. Wow,
0: what you said, the way you said that is very powerful. I think, Erica, revival is a, is like an invitation to intimacy with God. And who of us, truthfully, in the deepest part of our hearts, doesn't want to be known and be open? be able to share who we really are and and work that through with somebody and talk to them about everything and and you're you're saying that's what god wants to do
1: exactly exactly
0: i wanted to ask you another question but i had an example in my head i was gonna share here's one reason why i find it a powerful book i once read I don't know if you're familiar with a Jewish Holocaust survivor. He was a political cartoonist. His name was uh, Yaakov Kershev. And he came out of the Holocaust as an atheist, and then he became an agnostic. And he said, how can anybody believe in a God when this happens? But then at the end of his life, he was reading the book of Ezekiel, and he said, I'm in a crisis of unbelief. I feel like Ezekiel is reading the front page of the paper. Yeah. It was actually changing him by what it was saying and what you're talking about. It's that powerful of a book.
1: You know, what's so fascinating to me is the parallels to today, Bruce, because essentially what God's people were saying to him is revival can't come to our people unless political reform happens and unless Mm -hmm. these particular circumstances happen and the temple is fully restored and there's appropriate religious fervor again and they had this checklist of things that they expected god to do Mm -hmm. God said, you know what? You need to stop putting me in a box. I can bring revival in any set of circumstances. I can bring revival when you're disappointed. I can bring revival when you're full of doubt. Don't try and limit the possibilities of how I'm working in your life. And to me, that's so freeing because when I look around the world today and I can become overwhelmed with the circumstances of the world at large and circumstance you know exactly like this cartoonist you're mentioning he's looking at all the horrors of the world and he's saying how am i supposed to believe in a good god and in, in all of these awful circumstances and yeah. that's exactly, that's exactly the message
0: mm-hmm.
1: that god was saying to his people is Believe me, believe me that I am at work in your life and I am bringing new life to you, even in all of this disappointment and doubt and devastation. I am a good God and I am at work.
0: For those that are maybe unaware of some of the things in the book of Ezekiel, this is where they've been removed from the land by the Babylonians and Ezekiel, Daniel, are over in Babylon away from their homeland their temple's been destroyed and so boy that would give you a feeling like okay well we're, we're done god's gone blah 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 let's just give up and yet that's not the message the message is one of hope right god's anywhere everywhere absolutely so erica help us connect just if you can briefly i know you like you said you spent a whole week on this first maybe i should ask you what's the disconnect that you see in talking to people or your experience between understanding how the Holy Spirit can tie all this together for us and what do you suggest or guide people towards?
1: Great question. I think America is currently in a faith crisis, if you will. I'm going to just tell you a quick two-minute story, Bruce, that I think illustrates why I think we're in a faith crisis. But when my children were really small, we lived in Michigan. And so in the winter, to burn some energy, we would go to the shopping mall. And inside the shopping malls, they would have these indoor playgrounds because we couldn't play outside. And at our closest shopping mall, they had this big giant purple hippopotamus in the middle of the indoor playground and our son who was only about two two and a half at the time he would always want to climb up on this purple hippo and every time i'd have to tell him you know you can't climb on the purple hippo you can't jump off you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna hurt somebody else right i would give him this warning every single time but lo and behold every time we went back he would do it again and of course he <laughs> What I warned was exactly what happened. He climbed up on the purple hippo. He slipped. And when he slipped, he banged his little toddler face right on the ear of this hard resin hippo and when he banged his face he got a bloody nose so he falls to the ground he grabs his nose because it hurts he's crying and he pulls his hand away and he sees that his hand is now all covered with blood because he's got a bloody nose and his little toddler self panics and he immediately runs to the very first adult he can find sitting on the edge of this indoor playground, right? Well, I'm way on the other side in the other corner. I've got my wife's to clean him up and I'm running across this playground, dodging kids, you know, as fast <laughs> as I can to scoop him up in my arms and tend to his little bloody nose and comfort him. And I think, Bruce, in our culture of so much abundance and so many options, we do this with God all the time. Life beats us up. We fall down. We get a bloody nose. We bang our head against something. And in our moment of panic, we run to the very first thing we can find Mm. to try to get comfort. And meanwhile, we have a father who's barreling across heaven and earth, ready to scoop us up in his arms and tend to our wounds and bring us the comfort that our heart ultimately craves. But we've already found the first and nearest thing and we've decided that's enough it can be so many things right it can be a toxic relationship it can be just busyness it can be workaholism it can be a substance it can be mind-numbing television watching or game playing on our phone anything that's just going to distract us from the necessity of tending to that wound that we have in our lives mm. and- That's really what God's message was to the people of Ezekiel. He's saying to them, you feel like you've been wounded, you've been taken captive, you've been cast aside, you've been disregarded, you've been counted out, but you have not been forgotten. And I am here with you, even in Babylon, even in this place you don't wanna be right now. Mm. I'm right here and I'm holding out my arms, ready to tend to your wounds. Will you know that I am the God of relationship that desires to do that in your life? And that's really the crux of God's message to his people and the crux of God's message to us today.
0: I love that great illustration. Anything else you see is like barriers that we throw up to keep us from wanting to chase after God or or fall into love with him more and deeper and trust him?
1: Well, what we see in God's messaging to his people, Bruce, is there's really two primary things that need to happen in mm-hmm. order for God to send revival. And he spells it out for us on the pages of Ezekiel. But he basically says the first thing is repentance. And that's basically saying to God, when I fall off the hip, oh God, where do I run? Let's have an honest conversation about that. Where am I seeking my comfort? Where am I seeking my security and soul satisfaction apart From you. And if it's somewhere else, if it's not with you, God, forgive me. I want to learn how to find that in you. That's the first thing is that repentance, that, that honest conversation with God. And then the second thing that we see in Ezekiel 34 is we see a reckoning. Before God sends revival, he asks his people to repent, and then he sends a reckoning, and he basically says, all of you spiritual leaders out there, all of you who are supposed to be caring for my people and pointing them to me, you're not doing it and I'm going to call you to an account. And I think it's really fascinating how we're seeing those promises of God play out right now in the global church. We're seeing these huge celebrity pastors having major horrible scandals exposed. We're seeing large denominations that God is just really bringing to light hidden sin that's been allowed to fester and has been allowed to harm his sheep. As he calls us the, mm. the good shepherd is calling these shepherds to an account. And what our enemy wants us to do in those moments is to just want to give up and say, well, none of this is real, right? Uh, To take the stance of that cartoonist that you were talking about. You know, life Mm. is too dark. People are too evil. It's all too messed up. There can't possibly be a good God in the midst of this. That's Mm -hmm. what our enemy entices us to believe. But I think what we really ought to do, Bruce, is we ought to sit back in awe, as your show says. Mm Mm-hmm and say, wow, our God keeps his promises. He kept this promise to his people 2,500 years ago, and we see him keeping that promise today. And so it gets me excited because I go, wow, there's a lot of parallels here. I think God's ready to send revival today to people that are ready to say, show me God, show me where I'm running when I fall off that hippo and bring me back to you.
0: And that's exciting to hear. Tell me more though about where else are you, other things that you're seeing that are giving you the feeling that revival is coming?
1: I think revival is coming because I think people have realized maybe more than they did before with the global pandemic that has happened. I mean, we have put our faith and trust in so many things, right? We've Mm. put our faith and trust in the big C church. So in institutions, we've put our faith and trust in government. We've put our faith and trust in the economy. We've put our faith and trust in science, right? Mm. And over the last two years, what we've seen is, man, science can't protect us, right? We had to shut the whole world down. Uh, The government can't protect us. People are saying, you know, we're headed towards a recession. Hopefully that's not true, but we're seeing instability in our government right now. We're seeing instability in the institution of the church right now. And so I think all of these things are God's way of of waking his people up much like he was to the captives in Ezekiel saying, no, I don't need all of these institutions, I don't need all of these prescribed ways for my spirit to move and to awaken and revive my people like you think I do. I'm God and there is no other, I'm God and there's none like me, like he says through Isaiah. And so what we keep hearing God say over and over in the book of Ezekiel is turn to me and live, turn to me and live, come alive in the midst of the disappointment, in the midst of the doubt, in the midst of the devastation, turn to me and live. I'm ready to do something entirely unexpected in your life if you will mm. come
0: to me. My brain's going a bunch of different ways, but I, I want to say for, for those that are listening to this, if you're like me, you you can tell and you can hear a lot of wisdom coming from Erica from, from her Bible studies. And it just is something that's exciting and, and you look at it and you go, wow, I wish I had that. Maybe you might be might be thinking that, Erica, part of it is, is because, you know, you mentioned before your Bible nerd and somebody may think, ah, I'm not a Bible nerd. But a lot of times we see people and we ah, I wish I was there. But but it starts somewhere. It starts with something. And what can we do to kind of build that hunger? Or what are we missing out when we don't get into the the scriptures deeper than just, you know, reading a passage and then moving on?
1: I love that question. So part of my story, Bruce, was I didn't come to know the Lord until I was older. And Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't have all the flannel board stories or I didn't watch the Veggie Tales DVDs or, you know, (laughs) I came with absolutely zero knowledge. And so when I came to know the Lord and I was given my own Bible with all of Jesus's words in red letters, I went home and and I was told, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to read your Bible every day. You know, you need to sit and have a quiet time and pray Mm -hmm. and listen to God speak to you and i remember going home and opening up my bible and reading these words of jesus about plowshares and wheat tears and the eye is the lamp of the body and you know all this stuff and and going how am i supposed to follow you when i don't even understand you i mean i had (laughs) absolutely no idea what jesus was talking about or how to apply it to my life and so reading the bible for me it was not this wonderful spiritual experience. I struggled to do it because I couldn't understand it. And so I called my pastor and I said, could you recommend some resources, like maybe some commentaries, something, anything to help me make sense of these red letters, because I am lost. (laughs) And uh, so he did. And that was really what became the catalyst for me, honestly, beginning to write bible studies was i wanted to become just that friend that slid up next to the person like me who opens their bible and goes man i know i'm supposed to read my bible and a part of me wants to but i really struggle to understand it and it doesn't make a lick of sense to me Mm -hmm. and i to admit that if i could just have somebody explain it to me and help me apply it to my life it would be so helpful and so that was really my heart behind becoming a bible study writer is i wanted to be that person for people like me yeah to help the scripture break it down how do you apply it? What does this mean for you in your day-to-day life when you're folding laundry in your laundry room or sitting at your desk on your computer at the office? What does this mean? How do we live it out and and why does it matter? How does it change me and how does it change the world? And so that's really the heart behind why I write Bible studies.
0: It's neat what's, what has happened because it is, it's it's taken steps towards this. and. One of the things I pray when I get into the Word is I I look at that verse from 1 Peter 2, 2, where he says, Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the Word, and Mm. by it you may grow and respect your salvation. I may not understand it, but I'll try to always go, God, build inside of me a desire to long for your Word like milk for a baby. Sure. Was there anything that you were surprised by? When you got in and started reading through Ezekiel and studying it, that kind of blew your mind or or even helped alter it to, to write what you did?
1: What really blew my mind about the Ezekiel was honestly, Bruce, it was something pretty personal. Like I said, I'm a Bible nerd. I love to dive into scripture. For me, it's almost like a big puzzle. I'm trying to take all these pieces and arrange to make a picture I can understand and I can hang in front of my heart and enjoy its beauty. And so when I dove into Ezekiel, I really felt like, I do have an intimate relationship with God, right? Like I do crave his word and I do want to spend time with him. And I do want to grow in my prayer life. Um, I really felt like not in a spiritually arrogant way, but just in a way that I didn't feel like when I was falling off the hippo, I was running to other things. I really (laughs) felt like, okay, I've reached this mile marker in my spiritual journey where I know, I know in my heart and in my head that it's God alone who's going to have the answers for my heart and for my soul. But as I opened up the pages of Ezekiel and I sat there and I allowed God to really unveil his heart and how much he loves me. Mm. And there are passages in the book of Ezekiel, probably more than any other book of the Bible, that just paint that Mm -hmm. beautiful picture of how deeply God loves us and how heavy his heart is to be close to his people that Mm -hmm. I just wept because I thought about how often I just go through life, I go mm. through my day, and I forget God is even there. I yes. get so wrapped up in my own little agenda and my things I'm doing, and and I forget, man, God is right there, and He wants to be part of what's happening in my world in that moment, and so for me, it was my own personal call to revival, honestly, mm. to begin to live in greater intimacy with Him, and the joy and the peace that comes from that there's nothing like it because there's Gosh. nothing that we're going to face in this life and that we're going to say oh oh this is too big this is too <laughs> big no nothing's too big for god
0: <sighs> erica this is this is why i mean i love talking to you because you're not somebody who's just putting things out you put things out that touch your heart and actually move the needle in your life for you to go forward and 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 that's That's what I look for. And when I'm at church, I'm always asking myself, Am I leaving here different than I came in? And anybody listening to you can tell Erica went in like this and it moved her and Mm -hmm. it changed her. And that's the same thing we can all expect from God's word, but also I think from people like you that put together these Bible studies from the heart and from their life and from experience. Uh, that we can get into this, and it will move us. So uh, it just tells you, if you're you're listening, what a great study this is, and. And I guess that leads me to just saying thank you so much for being on here and sharing your wisdom, being open and honest, and authentic, and giving us some great illustrations.
1: Well, thank you for having me. You know, the last thing I just want to mention, Bruce, for listeners is I said at the beginning, I talked about how people said, you know, I just want to learn how to pray. And I was so burdened by that because I, I understand that cry of our heart. And so I actually created a free resource resource called Five Revival Prayers, and I put it up Ooh. on my website. And people, if people just go to ericawiggenhorn.com and they go on the page and Unexpected Revival, it's just a free resource there they can download. So maybe there was somebody there saying, yeah, that's me. I really want to learn how to pray. Go grab that free resource and uh, just begin to build that daily habit of prayer in your
0: life. Wow, that is great. Thank you. And Before we go, is there anything else you want people to know about seeing more about you or the books that you have or this book?
1: I would just encourage anyone out there, you know, maybe you are in a place where you're thinking to yourself, I love God, I know God, and maybe I even regularly participate in a Bible study, but I would really like to be in a place where I just deeply fall in love with God all over again. I would encourage you to pick up an unexpected revival because that's really what Ezekiel's pages are about, our God's invitation to uh, fall in love with me all over again, experience me on a deeper level, experience um, my presence in your life in a transformative level that maybe you've never experienced before. That's really the gist of an unexpected revival through Ezekiel's mm. prophecies. Mm.
0: Well, thank you so much. God bless you. Really appreciate it. I can't wait to talk to you next time (laughs) to see what what you're into next. Is there anything uh, up and coming?
1: No, Bruce. um, After six years of writing five books, the rest of 2022 is going to be not writing another book, but just experiencing that intimacy with the father that he's been teaching me is so important.
0: Good for you. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) But we do look forward to the next time, if there is a next time, but hopefully so.
1: Well, thank you, Bruce, and God bless you.
0: All right. We'll talk to you later, Erica.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.